Welcome to the Love Anarchy Podcast in the Relationship Rebellion, where we get deep about love, relationships, and dating. I'm your host, Andrea Atherton, Mindset and Love Coach, here with you today to talk about my personal experience with Reiki healing and how it relates to the energy of love. The definition of love is is very hard to put into words. I know we've tried, but oftentimes the feeling is better evoked through art and music and poetry because it's such an elusive, all-encompassing energy. If you've been following my podcast or have known me for any amount of time, you probably get a sense that my mission is about love. After my divorce 16 years ago, I was with friends and I pulled an oracle card. It said, you are here to learn about love and teach other people how to love. And I've kind of added on to that as time has gone on, not only to teach people what love actually is, but how to love themselves. And it's definitely expanded as I've researched, as I've had guests on, as I've been leading with my heart and doing things in my life with my intuition and my heart, which are definitely connected and definitely connected to spiritual direction. I also believe that true, the true universe and the true energy of healing and of change and miracles is all of that related to love. The Webster's Dictionary describes love as one, strong affection for another arising out of kinship or personal ties maternal love for a child, or two, attraction based on sexual desire, affection and tenderness felt by lovers. And using a sentence, after all these years, they are still very much in love. Oxford Dictionary states that love is an intense feeling or deep affection. But coming from the Urban Dictionary, the act of caring and giving to someone else, adding on, having someone's best interest and well-being as a priority in your life, to truly love is a very selfless act. Then looking at the Bible the verses that are often shared in a wedding ceremony. Corinthians 13, 4 through 8a. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. And where I 
grew my passion about learning what love is, truly is my experience in my childhood of learning what love was not. I am an empath, very sensitive child, developed my psychic abilities, very intuitive and tuned in to my feelings as it relates to what is right and what is wrong. I grew up in a home where I was told that what I was experiencing with my family was love, yet it didn't feel like that. I went back deep. I regressed doing some healing work years ago and found that in utero that my mother had tried to end her pregnancy. And during that time, abortion was not legal, although she could have probably gotten one. And I know her friend did, and she helped her friend. But I think in an act of desperation and fear, she did try to end her pregnancy with me. Thus, at the time, the contrast was love is death. I also have done some regression work where I found that my mother and I have been through several lives together. And my reaction in utero was, oh my gosh, not again. I cannot do this again. And I think that motivation was motivation enough to really do it differently in this lifetime. So the love that was presented to me was, I'm sure not malicious, but because of my family's wounds that were unhealed within themselves. My mother was a very young mother and her interest was going out and partying and spending time with her boyfriend. One thing I remember when my frontal lobe first developed was her coming home with uh, Mickey Mouse ears and some records. It's small world after all. And Pierre and Chateau, some puppets that she gave me. And I realized it all came to that moment. She went to Disneyland with her boyfriend and his kids, but did not bring me. That was just one of the first like cognitive moments I realized that I wasn't prioritized, um, that my interests were not important. And living with my grandparents, too, as they took care of me, they felt burdened by me. So I felt often like a mistake, like a burden, yet I was told that I was loved and that I was very lucky. It was very confusing for me. And I really felt like a victim in my childhood. But that really sent me out on the path to really realize what love was. And even sitting in the Catholic Church every Sunday, going through catechism, I felt as a woman, I had very little role in spirituality or in the Bible or in the preachings. It was all about men and the very limited 
roles we learned were about Mary and her her gift as of being a mother. But there wasn't very many other women represented in women's roles, especially as it fit in to me growing up in the 70s with the feminist movement and women's rights movement. There wasn't a lot of love for the feminine or a lot of attention on the growth of the feminine aspect. So like a lot of healers, therapists, coaches, at first we are drawn to psychology, to helping, to healing others, to heal ourselves. But luckily for me and for other healers, we learned how to do that so we could teach others how to do that. Not everybody is able to do that or be able to see beyond themselves, but realizing and helping others and loving others and having that energy helped me heal as I healed others. It's kind of like when I have depressed clients and they feel like they can't get out of it, some of the best medicine is going out and volunteering for other people, going to the food bank, going to a homeless shelter and helping other people. Getting out of our ego and our need or our woes or our victimhood is the most healing thing we can do. Then bringing it back to the idea of Reiki. At this point, I was an art therapist a yoga teacher, and a yoga-informed therapist. I had studied shamatha, Buddhism, and feeding your demons. I've been taking from many different spiritual teachings and philosophies. But Reiki was one of the very different profound experiences I had. I had a very in intuitive draw to use my hands as healing, and I explored other avenues. But it seemed like the universe just lined up. I chose my teacher, and I asked her, Michelle Niels, to teach me Reiki 1 and 2. And then I had my cohort, my uh, fellow student, Billy, with me, which we had a very unique relationship going through the training together was like my first initiation into this higher realm and where there isn't a lot of work. It's very intuitive driven and there isn't a whole lot of instruction. I find that I meet other Reiki healers who are like, I don't know if it's working, but it's one of those things that truly is just pure. It's pure love and it can do no harm. And it's really just trusting those intentions, those healing powers and those energies as we bring them through ourselves and hands-on healing to another person. Diane Stein is a Reiki master a psychic, and she teaches both psychic development and Reiki. In her book, Essential Reiki, she describes 
the word Reiki to mean mysterious atmosphere, miraculous sign. It comes from the Japanese word Rei, meaning universe, and Ki, life energy. So basically, Reiki is a type of energy healing. When a practitioner gives Reiki treatment, the Reiki energy flows through them before leaving their hands and flowing into the client. Because of this, the practitioner receives a treatment as well. As Reiki energy flows through the practitioner, he or she will receive a more relaxed, uplifted experience. And spiritual experiences can sometimes take place. The practitioner sometimes receives insight about what the client needs to know in order to heal more deeply. And a very brief history about how Reiki came to us was from a Japanese-born Buddhist monk in the mid-1800s, Dr. Mikao Usui. While teaching college, Dr. Usui was asked by his students how Jesus facilitated the miracle of healings he performed. The question was planted in Dr. Usui's mind, and he traveled and studied extensively until he traveled to the holy mountains of Koryama, where he fasted and meditated for 21 days in order to attain this higher altered state of consciousness, which he believed would help him and empower him to have this type of healing. On the morning of his 21st day at Koryama, Dr. Usui was beginning to become frustrated with the situation, you know, almost giving up before the miracle happens. As he was about to leave, a great spiritual energy came down to the top of his head and he became enlightened. And then he returned to the monastery and decided after a few days to spend time with beggars and found Reiki as a way to the truth self, a spiritual path. After Dr. Usui's death, one of his students, Dr. Chujiro Hayashi, took it to the place where it is now as a form of hands-on healing. He was the one to take the principles of Usui's Reiki and added the formal aspects of the hand positions and took it to the place of the Reiki we know today. One of his students, Hueo Takata, took it to Hawaii, where she trained 40 other practitioners who eventually brought Reiki to the West. One major difference Reiki has is the idea of attunement with sacred symbols that are used in the Reiki practice. To attune the energy of the practitioners when they are trained. This allows the practitioners to be able to heal the past in the future, do distance healing, open and close energies, as well as heal emotional body and mind. The attunements happen with in-person attunements by a Reiki master, which for myself changed me in ways that I was so surprised by, and the all-encompassing 
changes that occurred within me with the attunement, being a healer and sharing it with other people, again, sometimes it's very hard to put into words. I was reminded of this as I taught Reiki 1 and 2 to two students over the weekend. I went through the very cleansing week before setting up for me to be able to transmute those energies to attune and teach these uh, students. But one thing about different than Reiki, there's no prerequisites. Actually, you can be attuned at any time. There is some course of action that is suggested. Through my experience, I find that it's best to get attuned or Reiki 1 and 2 and then move on to become a master teacher after you've done a specific number of sessions or feel, again, called to it. But this weekend, I was reminded of the profound nature and watching other people go through the experience while I taught it in 2019. And then again, this past weekend, I was reminded, um, that's what I love about teaching, whether it be yoga, whether it be Reiki, is that the teacher is simultaneously the student. Over this past weekend class, there was one student who actually joined right before the weekend class occurred. I could just sense in her voice, like myself, she was just intuitively drawn to it. And like herself, she knew in her mind very little about it, but also knew in her heart as she experienced Reiki sessions with a practitioner in Loveland, that how much it helped her. But because she is in the helping healing field, she was drawn to it. But little did she know how much it would heal herself. I received a text from her the day after um, Reiki 2, and she wrote, I just wanted to share with you that a small stone in my salivary duct came out yesterday evening. She disclosed that she has Sodren syndrome, and that now the gland is less swollen, and thank you so much. So there's the proof of physical healing. While my other student had detox, which often feels bad, but it's actually a very good thing when the dead toxic cells release from your body, you can have digestive symptoms, um, diarrhea, urinate a lot, a lot of release, sweating. But then later on that evening, after I got back from a hike, she texted me again. And she said, quote unquote, I'm feeling overwhelmed with joy right now. I was telling my husband how I feel and tears just came out of nowhere. It felt like it just wants to burst out of my body. Is this normal? I replied, yes, so much release. Heart chakra clearing feels amazing when your chakras are all balanced. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, she was blown away. She states, it's so intensely good. Thank you so much. She said, I am so grateful. 
She added, please share on your podcast how powerful Reiki is. The love, the joy, respect, and appreciation are so intense and powerful. I never felt anything like it. She said, I taught them how to use a pendulum, and she used a pendulum over her heart chakra yesterday. And it was bouncing up and down, at first spinning clockwise like crazy, meaning that energy was just released. And when we did work on her with a pendulum during class, her heart chakra was closed. She said, but once it's open, I felt this tremendous joy and burst into tears. So big, so intense, bigger, wider than all the universe combined. This love is universal. It doesn't belong to anyone or need to be controlled. So big that I can't hold on to it or call it mine. My heart is pounding talking about the experience. And I've never heard it said that way, but she articulated it so beautifully. And that is going back to Reiki is love. Healing is love. And Dr. Usui wanted to find out how Jesus healed. In my eyes, as a guide of mine, he is just pure love. He was just all about healing. And he was protected because he had that open heart and gave to others. This also goes back to when I had clients, when I was working with very traumatized clients with complicated post-traumatic stress disorder. Sometimes they would just come in and processing or even doing art or yoga felt impossible. They would just get on the table and within 45-minute treatment, they walked out a different person. That's how fast it worked on intense trauma triggers. And one other thing that I love about Reiki is Reiki 1 attunement starts with you, starts with yourself, making you a conduit and clearing your energy and healing you, mind, body, and spirit. Healing the past, healing the future. And the first 21 days after your attunement, focusing on that, clearing your vessel and healing. And the beauty that when the practitioner is giving healing to a client, that they are also being healed. So this weekend, just reminding me about love and the power of love and that really going back to love is the only true power because really when it comes down to it either it's love and it's opposite fear false evidence appearing real often associated with our egos who try to control who try to save us from hurt which actually hurts us more it brings me back to Dr. Wayne Dyer's explanation of love. And by the way, he is, or was, probably still is, 
just pure love. So if you can read any of his books or see his movie, The Shift, I definitely recommend it. Dr. Dyer would say one day he was writing to his kids and realized what love was. Truly loving someone is letting them be exactly who they are at each moment without being selfish and expecting them to be something different. What would it be like if somebody loved you like that? Well, I'm going to end it here because I know I could go on and on, but wanted to share with you my Reiki teaching experience and how these different things in our lives that embody the energy of love and maybe noticing what those are for you and how you're drawn to them and how light and how good it feels when you do things that are aligned with what you love versus fear on what you're afraid of and avoiding. Well, that's the end of today's podcast. I'd like to thank you listeners for listening in with us to the Love Anarchy podcast in the Relationship Rebellion, where we get deep about love, relationships, and dating. I'm your host. I am a mindset coach and love coach signing off with you today, but before then, thanking you from the bottom of my heart for listening in with us because I know you have a myriad of podcasts that you can listen to. Like, ring the bell, subscribe. It helps the podcast get out there in in unimaginable ways. And don't forget to tell your friends so they can listen too. If you're interested in being coming a part of the Love Anarchy community, find us on Love Anarchy Podcast on Facebook. I'd like to leave you with my favorite short but sweet quote, love is the only true love.